This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Washington is a city filled with political animals and history buffs. It's the seat of the U.S. government and a showplace for monuments and museums. It's also the home of one of the most iconic horror stories of all time, The Exorcist. The movie, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary, has gotten a re-release just in time for Halloween. A sort of companion piece to a reboot of the franchise itself, The Exorcist Believer. But it all started with a novel by William Peter Blatty, who set the story at his alma mater, Georgetown University, which provided the perfect setting for a tale of faith and horror. Lou Bayard, author of such novels as The Pale Blue Eye, Jackie and Me, and The School of Night, knows a thing or two about The Exorcist, writing with Washington as a background, and horror. He joins the podcast today to talk about The Exorcist, DC, and things that go bump in the night. Lou, welcome to Political Theater. Great to be here. Great, uh, great to have you. For those people who don't live on Capitol Hill, uh, Lou and I know each other uh, because we're part of a roving band of irregulars <laughs> uh, who drink coffee in the morning. Uh, Lou is usually working uh, while we're uh, <laughs> just farting around and drinking coffee. You're and You're solving and- the world's problems, all of you. You guys are fixing it. You're fixing it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that, but it's a it, it it's it's a it's a fun bunch. Uh, of quite a few of us have our writers or journalists or retired journalists. Uh, there, there's a few people who have even written stories about ghosts in DC. Uh, but uh, you know, guys. The, yep. Mm-hmm. But the reason that uh, one of the reasons that I I thought this was a perfect time to have you on, Lou, is that um, you know. It, we we got to know each other over the last couple of years, particularly in the uh, uh, in the pandemic. You know when we're all sitting outside shivering and, and writing. Right. But recently, you uh, you wrote a piece for the Washington Post Book World in which yeah. you discussed uh, the the Exorcist, the novel. And again, this is such a I, I feel like it, it's such a great story, and it's also such a great Washington you know sort of mm-hmm. book too and and movie. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the Exorcist history, and then we'll get into sure. like sort of your relationship to it as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, reading reading the book and and the movie. But um, but I mean the the you know the Exorcist. This is again one of the biggest horror stories of all time, and it's set right mm-hmm. here in our backyard. <laughs> it sure is, yeah, Georgetown, and, the, and of course the famous Exorcist Steps, which are now a, a regular tourist destination for anybody coming to the city. Yeah, I mean, William Peter Blatty went to Georgetown as an undergrad and uh, was was deeply attached to the place. He would say later that was the place that it pretty much saved his life. He had a very hard hard scrabble upbringing in New York City with a, a kind of impoverished con artist for a mom, and uh, he somehow got out of there with the help of some priests and got himself to to Georgetown. And so it was very special to him all his life. So I think it's probably a natural fit for him to to set a horror story there. He also, uh, I mean, just as a, you know, sort of an aside, I mean, he, um, 
he he not only you know went to school there and set the, set you know a couple of his stories there, including you know a sequel to The Exorcist, uh, a book called Legion, which he then went on to write and direct as a, one of the Exorcist sequels. Mm-hmm. But he was a you know he he died in 2017, but he was a regular at like the tombs, <laughs> you know, like and and uh, you know into his you know into his like late years. I mean, he would still go down there and have lunch at, at the tombs, and you know I mean Georgetown used to have a lot more bookstores and antique stores it's a little bit more you know nike superstore and sephora and stuff like that now uh it's a little bit more shopping mall s but it never left it uh, lost its it's it is still not lost its its charm slash creepiness <laughs> <laughs> well it was a much sketchier place when he was writing the book we're talking about 1970 this is nixon era georgetown there were head shops um and places kind of dive bars like the tomb so it didn't have the same kind of um, elitist qualities that it has now, um, but yeah, it's it, but it also had these these crazy um, row houses and then these steps that just sort of dived into nowhere. Lunch. I think, they, yeah, I think the steps originally led to a gas station at some point or other. Um, I'm not sure what they lead to anymore, but um, it's, it's a it's still a former gas station. Yeah, it, and it's right next to the old car one of the old car barns for, right. for right. streetcars. Um, but yeah, and that's right. I mean, in the, in the book, I, I mean, I, I actually, I thought I would be able to get a, a used copy. I, I had trouble finding a used copy around DC. Um, you know, but I, I just went to East city, uh, bookshop, uh, not too far from Peregrine where a we local coffee. Well done. Well done. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and bought a new copy, which is quite nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, right off the bat in the, the book, I mean, again, this is a, this is a genre novel this is a this is a horror novel but it also he almost sets it up like you would any kind of traditional novel where i mean he sets the scene you know he talks about the steps he talks about m street and the river mm-hmm. and just how and it's this gloomy setting that you know just goes it, it's you can see almost the screenwriter in him and he was he was a screenwriter uh, yes, with, with, yes. you know at that Christine before the exorcist <laughs> known known uh, as well probably his biggest hit was as a screenwriter was uh one of the pink panther sequels yeah, shot, shot, shot in the, in the dark. dark i think it's the best of them still actually but um yeah. yeah he specialized in sort of frothy not very demanding comedies of all things um he, his first novels were comic novels and uh, he he kind of worked steadily mostly with um blake edwards um, and then has, but it does have some flops along the way. The the biggest one was probably Darling Lily, which was a musical vehicle for Blake Edwards' wife, Julie Andrews and Rock Hudson. So it really stank it up at the box office. <laughs> um, and so I think he was at some point is looking for a way back in. I mean, he was a creature of Hollywood and he was looking for a success. I think he would have um, read the prevailing winds and realized, oh, wait a minute, Rosemary's Baby was a huge hit. As a book by Ira Levin and as a movie, um, and it's about a demon. It's about a maiden, <laughs> an innocent person who is 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 violated. Um, so I think I I would I wouldn't I would um, imagine that Rosemary's Baby is kind of the the true uh, progenitor of The Exorcist in some ways. And also, I mean, there was some darkness. I mean, even in you know the Peter you know the, or the Pink Panther uh, yeah. movies uh, of I've I have. Uh, Fortunately slash unfortunately seen all of them <laughs> at a certain point, they were a, 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 a big part of my childhood because they were always on TV. Um, and it shot in the dark has this like, it, you know, the, the, the big set piece in it is this like sort of 
trail of assassinations where like assassins are trying to kill Elkie Summer or Peter Sellers yeah. uh, and they just end up, they keep missing. And so that's just like this trail of death uh, throughout the night, which is one of the things that for, finally sets, you know, Inspector Dreyfus played by Herbert Lom. I was going to say, he's, yeah. going, he's going steadily more insane with each, with each, uh, with each minute in that movie. Yeah. So you're so, right. It does have some darkness to it. Um, and then, so let, let's talk about how, you know, the, like you, you lead in with, you know, this book world, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hold it up for the benefit of our, <laughs> uh, again, you've, there's the iconic steps, uh, there, uh, in, in Washington, which if you're ever trying to get in shape, walk up those a couple of times, uh, and you'll be just fine. Um, if you don't have a heart attack, uh, <laughs> but talk about this because you know that you were growing you grew up in the in the area as, as- in the area springfield virginia yeah. and uh, yeah and and as i said in the article my parents let me watch pretty much every r-rated movie coming out i mean i would have been nine or ten when i saw the godfather for instance i saw serpico i saw all these r-rated movies because my parents thought you know what whatever they don't know is not going to trouble them. I'm not, but um, the, the Exorcist is where they drew the line, and I think that's because the Exorcist was. It's, it's hard to explain to people younger than myself what a sensation the Exorcist was when it opened. I mean, the word of mouth was extraordinary, uh, and people were lining up around for blocks and blocks to get in because there were all these reports of people fainting, of of people having kind of you know, seizures or something. It, it was um, a real difference in it was a real change in the relationship i think between movies uh, and the audience that that people really went in there you know either either hoping to be shocked or um fearing to be shocked but that it was a time when movies were actually could shock yeah. people uh, i think we're no longer there and it well, it was also a departure from other horror movies. I mean, I think you know th- th- at this point the Hammer films, you know, with Christopher Lee yeah. and Peter Cushing, the Dracula movies and the Frankenstein movies were were starting to you know reach their nadir, uh, and and they had become almost kind of silly. But really, you don't even when you watch like the the traditional old Universal monster movies, you know, yeah. like you know the James Whale Frankenstein and so forth. You're, I mean, people aren't. There were no reports of people fainting, you know, uh, yeah. when when, yeah. when Karloff, you know, makes, you know, comes is, is proclaimed alive or when Bela Lugosi, you know, bites a neck. Uh, but this really freaked people out. And I think it has a lot to do with the religious part of it. I mean, I, I mean, that, that seems to be where they this religious horror aspect of it really freaked people out. Oh, that's definitely an element to it. Um, and it's, it's a major element. Certainly, this is a at some level of faith journey for uh, Father Karras, who's the de facto hero of the piece, even more than the official exorcist. He's the one who's there uh, trying to save this this girl. But of course, it was also shocking because of the language. The language is coming out of a, a 13-year-old girl's mouth. For 1973, that was that was pretty raw. Uh, and 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 Blatty didn't stint on stuff. At one point, um, Reagan, the, the the girl is masturbating with a crucifix, you know, um, shoving her mother's face in it. You know, it's just it's so intense, um, and and that in a way that must have felt really um, overwhelming. I think for some viewers, uh, just to go back in history, though, supposedly people fainted when in the very first Phantom of the Opera when Lon Chaney had his mask removed, and I would guess people um, had some scares in in Psycho, uh, which came out like. 13 years before the exorcist, but yeah. 
Part, yeah, and then again, like yeah. t- talk about things that are shocking. I mean, like Psycho broke a lot of the rules because, yeah. you know, spoiler alert, you know, they kill <laughs> the main character, the star, yeah. you know, exactly. uh, with the, you know, the, the infamous shower scene. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and I and I I feel like the, you know, the the Exorcist also. I mean, it's I I was. I was interested how closely the book tracks with the movie. I mean, granted, yeah. that's not a surprise because Blatter, Blatty wrote both the novel and the and screenplay. The, screenplay yeah. the director, William Friedkin, uh, another strong personality to rival mm-hmm. Blatty's, uh, you know, in, t- in terms of intensity and, and so forth, you know, seemed to know what he, you know, like what he had and sort of just put, put it full throttle. And I just, I don't know if this book works without Georgetown, because hmm. it it seems to me, I mean, again, like not to not to like you know go out on a limb about this, but there's something, particularly in the movie and particularly in the descriptions in the novel, that get to the issues of faith and issues of just haunting. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that happens that's kind of unexplained. You know, in, mm-hmm. in both. Uh, and it and it all happens within the context of like the, the with the Jesuits. You know, the Jesuits mm-hmm. are you know the the intellectual you know centerpiece of the Catholic Church. So they're they're frequently portrayed as people who are doubting their faith yeah. or exploring it. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, Father Karras is. He doesn't. I mean, he's having a crisis of faith. Um, and you know, it, it's just it it seems like if this was just in, I don't know, you know, like a suburban Indianapolis, perhaps not to pick up. Yeah. It, it may not have the same kind of context with, with it because Georgetown, in addition to being, um, you know, this, this center of university mm-hmm. uh, life was also, you know, it's a little haunted itself. I mean, this is where slaves were unloaded. Yeah. River. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad things that happened in this area and it, and the light and the, fog and the just the canals and the creepiness and the architecture just is it's a character to itself oh for sure for sure and then you also have official washington kind of making periodic um arrivals appearances i think there's an ambassador at one point that the the mother chris um has a has some kind of reception uh and has some kind of washingtonian types who come into i think there's a former there's an astronaut there um, so there is this sense of it. What I found hilarious when I read, reread the book after all these years was that what the movie they're filming there, um, is it supposedly a musical version of Mr. <laughs> Smith goes to Washington, which I find hilarious. Um, and of course we know that if they if you're going to film in Washington these days, you wouldn't be filming in Washington because it's so hard to get any kind of, you'd, you'd be doing it in Baltimore or, right. um, NCIS films, everything in LA and quite obviously so, um, so, yeah, so there is a sense of, of, of an, an official government out there. But you're right. Georgetown is the center of the of, the, of this piece. This is this is a Georgetown centered uh, story. And the yeah, the, the locations are you, you get all the all the street numbers. At one point, Chris, the mother says, stay away, stay away from M Street, stay <laughs> from an N Street, too. You know, it's like, what's stay away from M Street. Um, times have changed because M Street is, is not a place you need to stay away from anymore. Yeah, as is evidence from the traffic. I mean, I stay away from it because I just <laughs> I don't have an extra hour to get from 36th Street to 20th. Exactly. Yeah. Street. Give, me the, give me the Whitehurst Freeway every single time. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and uh, one of the things that is, I mean, th- there's some of this in the movie. There's a lot more of it in the book. These little, almost sort of in jokes uh, uh, about movie making. You know, like particularly at the beginning. You know, before things yeah. get pretty heavy. You know, when when you know Chris is sort of having this sort of debate about whether a scene works. You know, on mm-hmm. on the campus, and it's just it's kind of funny. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's almost misplaced a little bit, but it also, because this is, you know, you, you want you're like, okay, where's the, where's the vomit, you know, where does the vomit come out, you know, uh, you know, or the, her, her head turning around and so forth, yeah. the levitations. And, but it also makes the, the novel, I think this is what pluses up the novel a little bit is mm-hmm. that it, it yeah. has these little, like this, these details that come, I would assume directly from Blatty's experiences in Hollywood. I would yes, the director uh, in the in the movie, the director character who is killed, the, the first person killed by the the demon, was based on uh, Jay Lee Thompson, I think, who was a director that that Blatty worked with. One of the interesting things about the movie too is how much of it actually was filmed here. Um, it's one of the reasons freaking went over budget. He insisted on location shooting both in D.C. and New York, and so it's it really is Washington you're looking at, and that and that gives it definitely a DC flavor as well. So t- tell us about your, your own relationship to horror, because you know, a lot of your work, uh, if it's not horror per se, it has elements of it. I'm certainly thinking of pale blue eye, uh, yeah. you know, which, you know, you, you wrote a novel and, and several years later it was, it came into our lives on Netflix, uh, with Christian Bale. And, um, I'm always forgetting the guy who was the, uh, from Harry Potter, who plays Harry Melling. Harry Melling. Harry Melling. Uh, you know th- th- this. Uh, you know this. This is a very. You know, uh, this is a murder mystery. You know, but it's also. It's again. It doesn't work without the setting. You know, without yeah. West Point, without the cold, without the weirdness yeah. of antebellum yeah. America. So tell me how how as an author. Like your relationship to horror. I mean, obviously, you're reading The Exorcist when you're nine years old. So, <laughs> yeah, it was. It came. It was early onset horror fandom. But what I mean is, how has that shaped who you are as a writer? That's a really good question. I hadn't considered it in the long form, but I, I've I've always been fascinated by horror because I think it shows us kind of at our most extreme. You know, one of the things I love about Poe's work, for instance, and he's the you know central character in Pale Blue Eye, is he he thought human beings are capable of pretty much anything and everything. And he was happy to follow that um, idea out to its furthest extreme. So his, his short stories are often just briefs for psychiatric interventions. Like really, really Edgar. Okay. We're going there. One of, one of them is about a, a, a man who's obsessed by his wife's teeth and was prying, prying them out of her mouth while she's in a coma. Um, so he, he was ready to follow that stuff as far as it could go. So I think that's why we, we look to horror sometimes is, is, you know, and it's, I think it's true in uh, the current wave of dystopian horror, the, the, the walking dead and the last of us shows like that are just showing us how bad human beings can be um, uh, in, in extreme situations. So we do yeah. seem to get the horror that we deserve at different times <laughs> or, the horror, or the horror we need. I mean, there's actually an, an, another adaptation of fall of the house of usher, which is set in like contemporary yes. pharmaceutical, like company, you know, yeah. uh, story as which I haven't seen it, but it sounds like, either. you know, a, a fairly good contemporary thing. And, to me, I've, I I'm always a latecomer to horror. I avoided horror as a kid. Actually, the first horror movie I I'm pretty sure the first horror movie I saw was Exorcist to the Heretic, which oh, Blatty, wow. Blatty hated, disavowed, couldn't handle yes. it. 
yeah. it is, uh, you know, a crazy movie. Richard Burton is obviously drunk, you know, like throughout almost <laughs> all of it. Uh, he he plays. Drunk too, if I'd had to be in that movie, I think. Yeah, it 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 does. It, it's mainly set in New York and in the desert. You know, the the sort of pos- the pursuit of Pazuzu, the demon who possesses yeah. uh, Reagan uh, in in The Exorcist. Uh, and you know, you and I were joking when we were setting up this, this call that you know, I said, you know, that it was, this thing scared me and now I watch it now and it's like, there's James Earl Jones in a locust costume. And, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I said, uh, you know, like, I just, it's the most batshit crazy movie I've ever seen. And then I thought like, Oh, blat shit. Blat shit. <laughs> and, then, and then we blat went shit. on a, 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 a and then we decided that blatty should be a, an adjective. It's like, yes. Oh my God, that is, that is the blattiest movie I've ever <laughs> seen in my damn life. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, I will say that just the director of um, Exorcist 2 was John Borman, who who yep. does have a, a couple of really great movies to his oh, credit. Oh God, I love him. Zardoz. Zardoz. <laughs> well, Deliverance yes. um, is a great movie. And Hope and Glory, which is a lovely kind of evocation of England during World War II. Um, and then Point Excalibur. Yeah. No, he, he had talent. I, I just think he was a bit of a nut. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's been a successful exorcist movie since the very first one. I don't know about the current, how the, well the current one is doing, but um, they've, they've tried again and again to kind of replicate it. it. Yeah. yeah. There, you know, there were prequels. So there was exorcist, exorcist Two: the heretic exorcist three, uh, which Blatty himself adapt, uh, adapted from his own novel Legion, yeah. um, which is he considered the more, the more direct sequel. It's also set in Washington, uh, you know, the, with some of the same characters. Um, and then there was, a you know, a, some prequels that followed father Marin, who's Max von Sydow's character yeah. in, yeah. in uh, that did well or not, like, depending on how you th- think of it, like yeah. but not, not blockbuster, not anything approaching yeah. uh, the, the, uh, the success of the exorcist. And now we're an exorcist believer. And I think there's going to be more. Uh, there's two, so. I think it's first of a trilogy or something. Alan Burstyn has been called back um, for, for this one. So yeah, yeah. I, my, one of the, my thesis is that, that the exorcist, what we, we took away from it is that when you have a devil, when you have, uh, supernatural issues you you call specialists and that idea has been spun off toward in so many directions like ghostbusters and buffy the vampire slayer um so you know there's 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 not much that a new exorcist story can tell us that we haven't you know we've seen devils um in 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 dolls and and puppets and um we've seen serial killers you know invading people's dreams. So as I said, we're, we're not a shockable nation anymore. Right. We've, 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 we're just looking for the next shock. Um, yeah, yeah. And maybe, and maybe that that's the, you know, we, we, that's why we see these recasting or reboots is that they're trying to go back to source material to figure out like, okay, where, where are we? And, and as yeah. you, as you mentioned with like things like the last of us and the walking dead and so forth, you know, we, the, the zombie zombies. I mean, they've been around for a while. Um, yeah. You know, Night of the Living Dead. You know, you know, sort of rebooted sure. the the that. You know, like f- fifty plus years ago, and is still <laughs> still you know like sort of uh, delighting people. Um, yeah. But I I do think that we're we we sometimes we get like the horror the type of horror movies that like we need at the time, and as you said, like dystopia yeah. seems to be in right now. <laughs> I wonder I guess, why, <laughs> because yeah, because we feel ourselves to be living in one, and uh, we're looking for for practical tips for for surviving it. I guess I don't know, um, or it's just the feeling of well, <clears throat> as bad as our world is now, it's not as bad as that, you know. Right. 
We'll have Wi-Fi. I can still get coffee with my friends every morning. So <laughs> I don't know. What what are some other, you know, I, I was trying to think of like some other works, you know, particularly novels, because I, I feel like they're they can be evocative in a different way. But, you know, movies, too, that are set in Washington that get outside of the horror, you know, like of, of politics or <laughs> but but like get into, um, you know, the the some of the general spookiness. I mean, there are a lot of cemeteries in this town. Uh, it's it like a perfect thing. And, and I was thinking of Lincoln and the Bardo. Uh, by yeah. Trump. Saunders and and how great a book that is about the dead and this is you know this is about Abraham Lincoln processing the, the death of, of his son and going yeah. back to the the cemetery where he is is buried which is right outside of Georgetown yeah. uh, and and it's such an because it's from the ghost's perspective the ghosts in that in the bar yeah. in, that in between yeah. liminal state and I was I was thinking of other places I'm I'm sort of surprised that more more stories aren't more creepy or horror like stories aren't set here that aren't, you know, for laughs say, or, you know, like, I mean, granted the politics and the history, as I said, at the beginning that sort of takes over, that's what Washington is known for. Yeah. Yeah. We see, we see this drama playing out right now uh, with, with the, you know, the house of representatives, you know, like, uh, you know, as they have struggled to find a speaker. I'm going to run for speaker. I've decided. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to be a member of Congress. You My know? chances are as good as anybody at this point. I feel. Uh, I've, uh, yeah, to make another another movie reference, I, I you know, yesterday, we're, 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 we're taping this podcast on Wednesday, October 25th, but when Tom Emmer, you know, like, dropped out, I just thought, like, this is starting to feel like the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. You don't know who's <laughs> going to make it. I mean, like, don't get too attached to any of them. <laughs> it's just yeah. a carnage you know but you're uh, right there, there should be there should be more dc horror movies or books and i and i'm, I'm hard-pressed to think of any because it's a it's a natural we have- aside from your average washington commander's home game yeah <laughs> <laughs> or the or the nationals depend some days um yeah, so I think this is a. I think we've got a. Maybe this is a career path for us right here. <laughs> we, will, we will we will fill the plug this gap. But well, uh, I, thrillers, a lot of thrillers in DC for sure. A lot of you know. Well, no some, out and I mean, some of which you you have contributed to. I mean, like I, I actually ha- I have not read School of Night, but like was when I was looking through your bibliography, I thought like that looks that that's promising. I mean, yeah. like there, there's the other if if. Uh, people don't dig the kind of weird creepiness of cemeteries than libraries. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, well, then, you, yeah, yeah, then you get your Dan Brown, you get your national um, treasures and, and stuff like that. So you definitely get that element to it, but straight up horror. Yeah, it's interesting because God knows there, were, there was a lot of horror. Um, there were slave markets, of course. Uh, I think 10 years slave, is it 10 years of slave? 12 years uh, safe. 12 years is safe, sorry. Um, that's where he's first kidnapped, I believe, in a, in a Washington, D.C. Yeah, I, and and I think that, you know, there are just these, these there are little pockets, you know, I guess this is a, you know, of uh, sort of a call to, call to arms for all writers out there. I mean, just the, every once in a while, I'll be in a weird part of, of D.C. And, and come across, like, what's an old, you know, Civil War enforcement, you know, like, uh, like, sort of spot you know there's one on right off of georgia avenue uh there's a little cemetery um you know kind of near the uh, the old walter reed campus uh which is this tiny little plot of land you know and you know the the, i don't know it's just it's an interesting place so we should add that our friend tim krepp has written 
uh, nonfiction book. Well, we'll call them nonfiction books. Ghost stories of, of various places, uh, you know, Georgetown and so and, and the Capitol, yeah. So the Capitol, the, yeah. yeah, talking about things like the, the the blood in the marble steps in the house side and yeah. uh, demon cats uh, and, and so forth. Yeah, and then we've got Congressional Cemetery, which has some really fascinating things. You've got J. Edgar Hoover's grave and J- Clyde Tolson's a few graves down. Um, not together, though. <laughs> not together. Nope. 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 Uh, and, and also the, the only founding father, uh, somehow this feels appropriate, the only founding father buried uh, in the Congressional Cemetery is Elbert, Elbridge Gary, uh, who gave us gerrymandering. <laughs> Legacy. That Legacy is appropriate indeed. That is appropriate indeed. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, cemeteries are always wonderfully atmospheric. No, I think, I think we, we need to create a new cottage industry. Just you I, and me. I'm all for it. <laughs> it'll be it'll be the it'll be the next path. Well, Lou, thank you so much for talking about you know your own work and and The Exorcist. Uh, this is our uh, I, I you know we didn't label it as the Halloween edition, but I just felt it just felt right. You know, like uh, just in time for for Halloween. You know, we'll our neighborhood. We both live on Capitol Hill. Will soon enough be inundated by five million children. All exactly, especially East Capitol is is the is the mecca. Yes, for, it, it, it's like a, it's like Mardi Gras for for small children. Uh, <laughs> it's it, and they may be more uh, raucous uh, than, than yeah. anything I've seen. Yeah. Uh, so, but happy Halloween to you, and and thank, thanks again for for coming on Political Theater. Sure, I'll see you around the hood. Mm-hmm.